You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Good day once again, everybody. Welcome to this latest edition of Gunna Won the Podcast. It is powered by Patterson Square Garden. I'm Derek Gunn. Well, there is a dark cloud hovering over this region today, and rightfully so, because it was not supposed to end this way. Your 76ers bowing out in a seventh game against a young, playoff-untested Atlanta Hawks squad. There is a lot of anger out there, a lot of open wounds, and a lot of people that are still in the state of shock. So to talk about what happened to the Sixers, I'm bringing in a guy who knows this team inside and out, talks to the players, talks to the coaches, the front office. You know his golden tones. He is the voice of your Philadelphia 76ers. Mark Zumoff, how you doing, baby? You know, I feel like I should be in the witness protection program after (laughs) last night. I have to tell you, um, or maybe you should like smudge my face out. You know what I mean? Like they do or, or, or disguise my voice so no one could recognize it because listen, I'm, uh, I'm the voice of the team, and and part of my job is to make people feel good about the team. And unfortunately, today they don't feel very good about the team. So I'm one of many who are under that bus right now. Well, uh, but right before we get into the intricacies of what did and did not happen for this team, I got to ask you this: What was it like 
to have to sit back and watch this series unfold and not be able to be courtside or in the stands calling each game? As I've always said, Derek, I'm a kid who grew up in Northeast Philly dreaming since I was eight, nine years old that I would want to be the announcer for the 76ers. So good, bad, or indifferent, I'm good with whatever takes place. The national networks pay a lot of money so that we are only able to take the playoffs through the end of the first round. So it's all good. But the fan then takes over and trust me, like everybody else, I was suffering and deeply disappointed. But by what happened in game seven. We go back to that final game and it's back and forth. It's a nail biter and people's hearts are stopping. And with 5'11 left in a game, Trey Young hits a 13 foot jumper. Atlanta goes up by two points and lo and behold, they never trailed after that. Take me through your emotions, the final five minutes of that game. A lot of people point to one play in particular, and that was Ben Simmons, who clearly had a dunk after making a move on Danilo Gallinari and instead passed it up to Matisse Thibel, who was fouled, and Matisse, who is not a very good free-throw shooter, made only one of two. In fact, Joel Embiid, in his post-game comments, alluded to that. What a lot of people don't realize, because that one particular quote was taken out of context, and Joel did not mention Ben by name, was the fact that he then talked about a series of events that happened after that, including his own crucial turnover. I I will say this, whether it's the last five minutes or the last five months, whether it involves um, a win, a loss, or what have you, it's never one guy, it's never one play, it's not even just a series of plays. It is a 48-minute game where many, many, many events take place from start to finish. So I realize that in our world, we need to grab a scapegoat because we want instant answers all the time. And in this particular case, it happens to be Ben Simmons. I couldn't agree with you more. And he is that elephant in the room right now. You've watched this young man grow over his five years here in Philadelphia. And I'm not about to put words in your mouth, but to me, it looks like he regressed, uh, especially this playoff season. Do you think it's, when you you talk about a Ben Simmons and what happened to him during this playoff series, his inability to take it to the hole, as we've seen him do many times before, and just just demoralize teams with his ability to be a creative on a drive. Uh, And obviously, most defenders are not big enough to defend him successfully when he's in that zone. But to watch his inability to do that in this particular playoffs, his free throw shooting in this particular playoffs. I say this all the time. when, When things are going bad for players, and especially in a very critical market like Philadelphia, you know, players can say, oh, I don't listen to the outside criticism. But you know they do, whether they hear it directly or they have a small circle of people who are constantly telling them who's talking negatively about them, who's talking positively about them. Do you think it got to a point where it became psychological for Ben in a lot of ways? Derek, he has pretty much admitted, and this was an answer to his, a question earlier in the series about his free throw shooting. You know, is it mental or is it physical? And he said it was mental. So did the free throw shooting also affect other parts of his game? I don't know. I think what we all need to do right now, 
And this is something that we're unable to do, again, because of our socially or our social media driven society is to sit back and take a breath, that we're just going to need some perspective and you can't get a good perspective the morning after or the day after one of the worst games uh, in recent Sixers history. So that's the first thing everybody has to do. When I look at Ben Simmons, I, I will say this. Here is a multiple all-star who had a bad last couple of months. And in the weeks and months to come, it's going to be up to the Sixers to take that apart and then decide, can they solve those problems going forward? Or are they going to have to make some changes? Though that Those issues are in the hands of people who uh, are at a much higher pay grade than me. I, I will say this about Ben. I, I, I do believe that except for the last couple of months, by and large, his shortcomings were overshadowed by the good things that he did. Remember, he came in second in Defensive Player of the Year voting and in the opinion of many could have been the Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, before this, you could rely on him for double-figure scoring. He would take 10, 12 shots a game. He led the NBA in fast-break dunks during the regular season, meaning, listen, he wasn't a guy on the wing. We're not talking about Magic Johnson and it was James Worthy who finished. It was Ben Simmons who would take the rebound, go all 94 feet, and finish frequently. So, And he didn't do any of that in, in, in the Atlanta series. And while he wasn't as good a free throw shooter as I think he should have been, being a career 60% guy, uh, there is no defense for shooting 30-some percent during the playoffs. So when you consider that someone who is a multiple all-star was having issues that were well off of what you would expect as the norm, here is someone who either needs help in the gym he needs perhaps some, some other kind of help, uh, whether it's counseling or what have you, I don't know. Um, but people need to just take a break for a second and then make that assessment going forward and, and see what the deal is. I don't know. You know, uh, People are already fashioning trades for him. I would say, yes, he may very well be traded. That might be the best thing for the team right now. But I think you can't start to make those decisions for at least the next few weeks. Your gut feeling. Did he play his last game in the Philadelphia 76ers uniform? Unanswerable question. And that's my gut telling me right now, because I'm not the kind of guy who will look to make instant judgments. I am typically the kind of guy, and you could ask my friends, my colleagues, uh, oftentimes people come to me for an opinion and I will say, you know what? I, I don't think we know enough yet. Um, time is the great bearer of perspective. And you have to have, uh, you have to give time the opportunity to, to set in. As, as the Bible said, this too shall pass. So when all the emotions have died down, after the NBA has crowned a champion, let, let's come together collectively. And then I think you'll be able to better answer that question. You know this area a lot better than I do. I've been here 24 years. You know this region a lot better than I do. Um, we also we, we, we agree that I don't care what sports you play in this town. You have to have a certain amount of thick skin to survive in a city like Philadelphia, a highly critical market, a very knowledgeable sports market. Would it be in the 76ers best interest for this young man's well-being to move him on? But in saying that, you have to wonder 
what could you possibly get of value for Ben Simmons now? Because if I'm decision makers for another team, I'm sitting back and watching his play in the playoffs thinking, wow, you know, the Ben Simmons we thought we were seeing back in March is not that guy right now. Can we give up X amount to get him? Can we fix him? I think in a lot of ways he handcuffs the 76ers right now. And he has a, a pretty substantial contract. Yes. If you, take a look at, if you take a look at the numbers. So that's another issue. And again, time will only allow, Derek, all of those things to be considered. So it's up to Daryl Morey once the smoke clears to test the market. And oh, by the way, the 29 other general managers, they have TVs. So they're seeing what's going on, not to mention the vast scouting departments and the analytics and everything. I mean, there's a ton of information out there that these guys are equipped with. But oftentimes, another man's cast off can be another man's prize. Or, exactly. You're right. So people are looking at Ben Simmons. Hey, you know what? Here's a guy who has, in many ways, uh, reinvented his position. He is a great defensive player. He will get me rebounds. He will spot my shooters along the perimeter. I have the kind of team where Ben Simmons would be a good fit. Maybe he's a fit as a five. Maybe that's what people decide. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have you have a general manager who sees him as being very attractive. Um, it does get back to the old argument: Can and Beat and Simmons play together? And by and large, they seem to be able to do that at least until this last playoff series. Um, there, there are just again. So many different issues to consider. And the one that you had mentioned about perception of the fans, I, I, I certainly think that goes into the mix. That when, you know, it's at, at many intervals, the business side and the basketball side will intersect. And as it relates to the Sixers organization, starting with the owners, this is something that I think they're also going to have to consider along with the tradability mm -hmm. and what it is that you can get in return. When this organization hired Doc Rivers last fall, this man came to town. He was immediately the Pied Piper of Philadelphia for the basketball fan base. Everybody was just elated that a Doc Rivers was coming here. Now, as we sit here right now, I can't even begin. I don't have to tell you this. I can't even begin to tell you the volume, a volume of people on social media, on radio, who are saying, get Doc Rivers out of here and get another coach. Um, right now, he holds the record uh, in the history of the NBA for having the most uh, closeout game losses. Give me your critique uh, of, of Doc Rivers, the man you've gotten to know, the man you watch coach, not just the regular season, uh, but this, this final seven-game series as well. Yeah, I am going to address that. But first, uh, in terms of the stat, and I'm not sure exactly – what that stat is. I, I heard what you said about most losses in elimination games. Well, it's it's like pointing to all the times that LeBron James lost in the finals. Well, he got to the finals, okay? So, and, and how many players even get to do that in, a, in even in a 10 or 12-year NBA career, number one. Number two, how many people were calling for the dismissal of Brett Brown so many times throughout his tenure? And yet there were people on social media last night who are saying, hey, Brett Brown could have done this. Let's bring him back. Oh, geez. So, right. So <laughs> it, 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 there are a, a, a number of things here at play. As it relates to Doc Rivers, people uh, have conveniently short memories. Joel Embiid had the best season of his career 
uh, under Doc Rivers. Tobias Harris had the best season of his career. The Sixers were one of, if not the best defensive team in the NBA under Doc Rivers. They were a top seed. They had the best, they've had the best, well, they've really had the best home record in the NBA over the last four years. But uh, once again, they were able to home court, hold home court, and they improved greatly on the road. Um, Doc Rivers also, by the way, has a hefty contract, and the Sixers are still paying Brett Brown for another season. So I, I doubt very much that that is going to happen. Um, other than that, other than that, um, I like Doc Rivers personally. Quite frankly, he's going to hit a thousand wins, and he's going to have a coaching resume, including his title and another finals appearance with the Celtics that will warrant Hall of Fame consideration. And I think the players, by and large, liked playing for him, which is the key to the whole thing. So, again, I'm going to advise a lot of people to take a breath as it relates to it. And, by the way, of course, the coach always is the first guy to be blamed. That's right. Just let, let's all take a break and, and, and let time seep in, and then we'll have a better perspective going forward. But you know people in this region are not patient. Uh, you know, I, how many years did I cover the Eagles? I knew exactly, you know, what's out there. You know how these people are. My concern is, will the, or would the organization buckle under the fan base pressure to make some of their decisions? You know, like I said, you know them a lot better than I do. Should we be concerned that they may buckle because of the outcry of, you do this, do that, or I'm not coming back to watch this team. I'm not spending money on this team in the future. I'm not buying tickets for this team in the future. Yeah, I, I, it's always something I think that ownership uh, considers, but I don't know who said it, but um, I, I think there was a coach in some league, in some sport, who said, uh, if you listen to the fans, pretty soon you'll be sitting with them. Good point. So uh, I love our fans. I think they're extremely knowledgeable. I'm one of those fans. I lived and died with that game yesterday. I, I, again, and I hate to sound like a broken record, but I guess I do. We all need to just, uh, you know, relax and, and, and let time seep in and see what happens. But in direct answer to your question, yes. If this is your audience and you're afraid that they're not going to show up or patronize the sponsors or anything else, then, yeah, it, it, it has to be a consideration. Absolutely. Mm this series never should have gotten to a seventh game. I mean, I'm still, I'm still baffled how they allowed in back-to-back -back games, 18 and 26 point leads to evaporate. When you break down and assess this series, uh, those who rose to the occasion, those who disappeared. And, and again, we're not just talking about Ben Simmons because there's enough blame to go around to a lot of people, you know, Tobias Harris at times was in the witness protection program. You don't know where he was, you know, so on and so forth. What stands out to you the most in terms of how this whole series went down? I think if you're blowing leads, there is a mental aspect probably has to do with losing concentration. I've often seen teams in the NBA take for granted 20-point leads at halftime, thinking that they're going to coast. And in the NBA, the nature of the game is such, if you let a team put together a 7, a 9, an 11-point run, suddenly they're feeling very good about themselves, you're feeling bad, and now there is a clear momentum switch, which can be problematic. As we, as we 
point to other things besides Ben Simmons or what have you, uh, the Sixers were pick and roll to death in this series. Uh, that is a uh, prime uh, way that Atlanta plays. And why aren't we saying that um, the Sixers were pick and roll to death, that at the back end of that pick and roll, when Joel Embiid would come up to trap a player, uh, why wasn't there help at the bottom end? Consistently, no help at the bottom end. So um, I, I think it was, the, it was a mental letdown that kind of permeated through the team in terms of blowing those leads. I do think that each individual game, teams are able to put that behind them. I don't really think that you're going into game five thinking, oh, I blew this lead in game four. I'm not going to be able to function. I don't really think that happens, particularly when you're changing venues and now you're home, let's say, as opposed to on the road. But uh, this is going to give the Sixers individuals, um, I'm talking about the players, the coaches, a lot of food for thought going into this summer to think that, yeah, they led by 26 in one game. They led by 18 in another game. They had a deciding game seven on their home court where they had the best record in the Eastern Conference last year. And, oh, by the way, the Sixers lost three, count them, three home games yes. in the series. <laughs> and they lost, what, a total, of, I think, of nine games the entire year at home. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's bizarre. Maybe, and listen, I'm just sitting here with you and we're just yep. kicking it about what we think went wrong, <laughs> but who really knows? Exactly. What impressed you the most about these young Atlanta Hawks? Because I, I'm shocked at how they, they never buckled. They very easily could have folded. They had a built-in excuse. Look, we're young. We're inexperienced. We'll grow from this. We'll build on this. They're playing for an interim head coach. You don't know what his future is, but they stood toe to toe. Uh, when things look bad, they found a way to respond. What jumped out to you the most about this young Atlanta Hawks team? The thing to remember, and we're yeah. all disappointed at the fact that the Sixers lost to a fifth seed, but let's remember that over the last, I want to say, couple of months, and I don't have the stats in front of me, the Atlanta Hawks under Nate McMillan were one of the best teams literally in the NBA in terms of their record. Why? Well, they began to embrace things more on the defensive end. Now, would they have continued to do this, let's say, under Lloyd Pierce, who, by the way, was a very good defensive coach for the Sixers? Um, it, who's to say? But the fact of the matter is it happened under Nate McMillan. And I thought their defense in this series, by the way, was, was terrific. So credit to them. And um, that's one of the first things that jumped out. But even before this, Derek, you know, they, they won a couple of times, I think at least, in the Knicks series in Madison Square Garden, which is a fairly hostile environment in case nobody has noticed to this point. So I think, too, they had the mental toughness. I think uh, Trey Young is, is a remarkable player, at, at times unguardable. Uh, they, he learned to run the pick and roll with uh, Clint Capella to perfection. And I, I knew coming in that based on what they did at the end of the regular season and the fact that they won a couple of times in the Garden, this was not going to be an easy series. But I think Sixer fans saw Sixers, top seed, best record, Atlanta, fifth seed, um, young team. But um, it, listen, it, it, it came back to, to bite everybody. You and I have been around the sports game a long time, and not just in basketball, but in any sport. Anytime a team gets to the playoffs, they fall short of winning the championship. You know, uh, changes are made. We, we look at the 76ers squad, and I'm not going to ask you, do you anticipate it? But would you be surprised if the Sixers made major overhauls compared to minor tweaks on the roster for the upcoming season? 
I certainly think that everything is on the table. They do have the trio of Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and Tobias Harris tied up for the foreseeable future. So in those cases, you are going to have fairly big contracts to deal with as it relates to who you take back. Uh, just around the edges for a second, Danny Green's going to be a free agent. Dwight Howard's going to be a free agent. Furkan Korkmaz is going to be a free agent. So you could certainly make changes pretty quickly in that regard. Even Seth Curry, who, by the way, had an excellent playoff series, and I think the, the you know, Sixer front office and, and the fans are in love with Seth, and I think the welcome mat is certainly out for him to return, even though he has, I think, at least another two years left on his deal. So, um, no, I would say this, that if uh, – and let's throw out last year because Ben Simmons was hurt. Oh, by the way, the Sixers get swept by the Celtics because they had no Ben Simmons, but right, right, that's right. another story. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but listen – where they had Ben and Joel together the previous two years. And, um, and this year, once again, they were eliminated in the second round. So, you know, what's the old saying about if you keep doing the same thing, expecting different results, it's the definition of insanity. And Daryl Morey, we know it was brought in to be bold and to do whatever it is that he could do to make the team better. It would not surprise me to see, um, you know, something more radical happen other than replacing guys who are going in free agency. Do you think a Joel Embiid puts pressure on the front office saying, hey, we need to make changes now? You got you to gotta make changes now. You got to put better pieces around me now. You think he is that kind of personality? I don't know. I'm not there behind closed doors. I do, I do think that Joel has come to the point, and, and I think it clicked this year, whether it was turning 27, whether it was playing under Doc Rivers, whether it was becoming a father for the first time, that, um, you know, you, you play in the NBA. If you play 10 years, 12 years, you're lucky. And my goodness, with um, the fact that he has had unfortunate injury issues, with the fact that he plays so hard and he has such a big body, uh, he has to be saying to himself, you know, how much longer can I play and be a viable player and have the opportunity to win a championship. So I, I would, I would have to guess that behind closed doors, um, you know, there, there's certain he certainly feels uh, the, the urgency uh, to have a good team around him. Um, and, and I think the ownership and I think the front office, I think they feel the urgency for a lot of the same reasons. Um, and, and fan demands aside and getting back to the ownership for a second, uh, there, uh, and I know the owners, particularly uh, Josh Harris and David Blitzer, they are in it to win it. And they are uh, they have not hesitated at any moment. If you take a look at, um, for example, go to the Sixers website and take a look at the basketball operations department. All the different people, whether it's analytics or video or assistant coaches or scouting, um, they have spent money to do what they can to make this team a winner. And um, so they put their own pressure on themselves to try to come up uh, with an NBA title for Philadelphia. Well, in due time, uh, wounds will heal. Um, emotions will subside. We'll get back to normal. Uh, this is all still fresh right now. So a lot of angry people out there. But now we, we look forward to the summer. And, and Mark Zuma, what are you going to do? What are you going to do just to clear your mind and get away uh, for the summer and just uh, do what you want to do. What does Mark Zumov like to do in the summer? Typically, I kick back. 
Uh, it's kind of like being a teacher, although I know a lot of teachers do take part-time work in the summer. Yeah. I do do some part-time work, whether it's some limited freelance things or whatever NBC Sports, uh, Philadelphia, or the 76ers need from me as it yeah. relates to an appearance or uh, you know doing some voiceover work, that sort of thing. Um, I have one of the best jobs in America, uh, yeah, yeah, and and I'm thankful for it. Uh, I often say to people, I've never worked a day in my life. I just get paid to go and, and watch <laughs> basketball games or travel with a team first class and watch basketball games. But it is a grind, and it's been crazy the last couple of years. Stopping in March, starting again in July, um, then starting again in December, and having a p- compacted schedule. So I'm in need of a break and. I will uh, I will take life just a little bit slower. <laughs> I think that way. I think I put you at the top of the list of the epitome of what a a true warrior, a true gladiator oh. is. And here's why: uh, we were talking about this before we sat down to record this podcast. Of course, uh, before the season tipped off, you had back surgery. Yeah, and I know a lot of people that have gone through back surgery, and they talk about the pains of recovering, both mentally and physically. After you've had a back surgery, your job entails sitting still <laughs> for X amount of hours right. uh, to broadcast a game, to basically fulfill a, a childhood dream of what you wanted to do. I had you on my podcast earlier this season, and I could see the discomfort in your face uh, when you were sitting there. Um, so, number one, kudos to you for being the warrior that you are getting through this season. Number two, where are you now health-wise with that, and how much of a limitation is it going to put on you in terms of what you can and cannot do even for the summer? So just let me say this, and I'm no doctor, but for those who feel that their quality of life is affected, and in my case, it was L4, L5 sciatica that ran down my leg, and yeah, it had gotten to the point where no amount of stretching or core work or strengthening was going to do anything. So. I, I had surgery. It was a renowned surgeon I was fortunate enough to connect with in Philadelphia. And I will say this, uh, back surgery today is not, as you and I had talked about, Derek, earlier, it's not your father's back surgery. They have made great improvements in terms of it being less invasive. And for those who are not squeamish, basically, I had a bulging disc. And what they do is they literally cut off the part that's bulging they leave the rest intact. And the part that was bulging was leaning against a nerve. It's not doing it anymore. You just have to be very careful in your recovery. Um, I was doing well until about a week or so ago. I, I bit off a little bit more than I could chew. And I'm starting to feel a little bit of tweaking. So I've backed off and I've, I've gone to a heavy regimen of uh, stretching and, and strength uh, workouts. But um, listen, I, I, I love you. And I appreciate what you said about being a warrior. But I think uh, police officers, I think uh, medical personnel during COVID, the soldiers who fight for our pr- freedom, uh, those are the people who are the real warriors. But I, I do appreciate what you're saying, and I and uh, and thank you for saying that. What you just said, I wouldn't expect anything less from a, the one and only Mark Zumoff. I, I thank you for taking the time to talk to me on Gun on One. Uh, now we sit back and wait and find out what the 76ers are going to do over the next weeks and months to come. Uh, keep your phone handy. You know, I'm going to reach out to you again <laughs> and get you back on after we see some of the more definitive moves by the 76ers, man. Keep on keeping on and by all means, keep on cooking. 
<laughs> Thank you, man. I'm going to use that as a promotional tool, by the way. So. Yeah, yeah, you got it free of charge. All right. No, I was going to say, don't try to sue me when I use that now. Mark Zumo, take care, my friend, and uh, happy summer to you. Thank you, my man. Same to you. All right, that's going to wrap up this latest edition of Gun on One, powered by Patterson Square Garden. For my good friend and colleague, Mark Zumoff, I'm Derek Gunn. Take care out there, everybody. And more importantly, be a blessing to each and every person you encounter. Until next time, so long. You are my hero, as always. What is a Patterson Square Garden? of D-Gun Enterprises in Patterson Square Garden. Alvin Shabazian and Wes Pendleton are the executive producers on behalf of Patterson Square Garden. Lead producer is Derek Gunn. Associate producer is John McNeil. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Alvin Shabazian. Original music by Weatherman. For more information about the podcast, visit gunonone.com. And please, don't forget to subscribe and give us a positive rating if you're feeling the show. Thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.